Welcome to the Ecom Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Sinkula, CEO of Digital Dawn, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Here on the Ecom Profit Podcast, I open Pandora's box and share with you and other ecom business owners weekly topics that will help you explode your business online. I outline my tried and true secret sauce, the D2D method, that's guaranteed to bring your business results. As an entrepreneur myself, I try to pull out all the same entrepreneurial passions in others. So get ready to be fired up about your business and let's have a great time. Welcome to the Ecom Profit Podcast. Welcome to the Ecom Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Sinkula, and today we have a very special repeat guest with us, friend and, I don't know, good human, confidant, legal, operational magician, let's call you, Sean Delaney. Welcome to the show once again, Sean. Thank you. Thank you. I must not have screwed up the first one too bad because you asked me back. That is good. <laughs> it's the best feedback. You know, the first time you were on, Sean, I, I want to get into your background and your history, but just to give some context, the first time you were on, we really, this was very early in the podcast. I think you were like my second or third, maybe even my first guest. I can't quite remember, but early in the process. And we really spent a lot of time talking about the legal side of business and things like that, because you're a lawyer and you've got background in legal and all that kind of stuff. Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about operations. But before we get into all of that, give people context on your background so that they know why you're, I guess, equipped to talk legalese and equipped to talk operations at the same time. Okay, sure. Well, so yes, I am a lawyer. I don't normally lead with that. I like people to grow to hate me, not hate me right <laughs> off the bat. Right? So I try to hide that part. Um, but yes, yeah, so, but for 25 years, I know, I know, don't say it. I don't look that old, right? But for uh-huh, 25 right. years, I have worked for and with some of the biggest brands in the world. Uh, MetLife, Nike, Uber, J&J, Ford, big companies. And over that time, I learned that there are um, basically the same 10 disciplines that every business needs to master, whether whether they're manufacturing or marketing or tech, doesn't matter what they're doing. And then I got the opportunity to work with a much smaller company. And I said, this is where I want to spend my time. And I'll tell you why. For just one of my large companies, I saved them $100 million over three years, and I didn't even move the stock price. Wow. I work with an entrepreneur and they say, God bless you. Now my kids can go to college or I can stop working a hundred hour weeks or, yeah. or whatever it is that I've done for them. That's where I want to spend the rest of my career making that kind of impact. And right. so now I say at an operational level, um, most entrepreneurs couldn't afford me to do what I normally do and wouldn't need me to do what I normally do because it's a matter of scale and they're just not ready for that. So I said, how can I help? do the things that I do for the large uh, customers that I have, clients that I have, uh, but on a smaller scale in a way that's affordable. So now I work as as a fractional COO. And so they get, I become their COO for a portion of my time at a fraction of the cost. And it works for everybody. And I still, so I have then several companies that I am the fractional COO for. And I have another program that I, I help teach those 10 disciplines to. 
um, in case they're not ready for a fractional COO. So I have several yeah. ways now that I can help entrepreneurs. And I do that because that is the lifeblood of the economy. Right. And it's where you can make the biggest impact, like first and foremost, right? I mean, yeah. certainly in bigger companies, we both have come from corporate and we both have that corporate background. But I agree with you. That's off why I left as well, because I knew I could make a bigger impact working with entrepreneurs versus working in the corporate setting. Although the corporate setting gave me and afforded me wonderful experience and background to be able to apply it to the entrepreneur space, but still, right? Bigger impact, making a difference, really seeing it firsthand. Okay. So we're going to dig in now to some of these things. Well, first, before I start, what is a fractional COO do for a company? So fractional meaning you work part-time or fractional, meaning it's only part of the cost, or is that a combination of both? Explain to our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with that term fractional COO, what by definition that is. Yeah, so it's both. So it's, it is it is a fraction of the cost, um, but it, it is a fraction of my time. So it I am not full-time. I am the only, well, I shouldn't say that. There are some that I have where there is a COO there. And they brought me on as an advisor because they're a newly minted COO. The company yeah. just got to a point where they needed to hire someone to see, oversee their operations. They're at that inflection point. But this person, they said, look, I'm going to be learning a lot of this on the fly. I'd love to have you on speed dial so yeah. I can say, hey, look, I'm seeing this. Should I go right or left? And the answer is, well, yeah. well on this one, go right down the middle and here's why. Right. So they, they have that comfort in being able to say, there are some big challenges here. We've never seen it before. Have you seen it? Of course. Here's what I recommend. So there is that. Yep. And then there are some that have no one in the spot, but they do have some kind of operational group. They need someone to lead it and direct them. And that just isn't a full-time job for, for yeah. anybody, right? But especially for me, because I can come in and in just a few hours say, okay, especially the way I set up the reporting structure and all that kind of stuff. And I, I, and I've set up the dashboards. I have the metrics. I have good people in place who I'm managing. And so they can quickly give me a download on here's what's going on this week, this month, this quarter. And yeah. I can drive that play, give them the things to do. And, and, and then it runs, the machine runs, right? So I set it up. So, so when people say, well, how many clients do you handle at a time? I say, well, it depends on what kind of heavy lifting we're talking about. Have they been through my operational excellence program called the bomb, right? Mm -hmm. The business owners management bootcamp. Have they been through that? Because if so, we're speaking the same language. They have the basic understanding of everything they need to master. Yeah. And I can come in now and, and speak the same language and operate that system. If they haven't, and I'm walking into a mess, well then, okay, I'm, I'm going to be spending more time there for the next three yeah. months than I otherwise would. Um, and then once I have all the systems and processes in place, I can back off a little and then I can onboard a new client, right? So I have some that are with me that I barely spend any time with them. Now they also barely pay me anything, right? Because that's fair, right? I barely spend any time, but with one hour a month, they just want to know that I'm there. Yeah. And so I've built the whole thing. It's running. Leadership's in place. Processes are in place. Automations are in place. Metrics are in place. And they just want to make sure that I come in there, kick the tires every now and then and keep and keep it going. Because things happen, right? You could have right. a great business running and then a COVID lockdown can happen. We've all seen that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or, five or years ago. Like that. 
five years ago, if I had said, oh, you could have a pandemic wipe out your business, the people would have said, please, you know, what, Crazy. like a zombie apocalypse? I don't know, right. maybe, you know, we could be. And then here we be. are, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so okay. Does well, that, that describe it. Yes, that explains it. That explains it well for those people who might not. So fractionally being in someone's business to help them oversee the operations of their business. So when you when we first and started build, and build the architecture, and build not just oversee it. what they're doing. They might say, "I've got nothing." Yeah. So, so you're okay, helping we'll build them together. build it. You're helping. If they don't them have it, I build it. it, and if they have it, I refine it, and if they haven't, it's refined. I help manage it. Got it. Okay. So when we first started, you said that there were kind of 10 things, if I heard you correctly, there were 10 things that you kind of know you've seen from big business to small business that are, Mm -hmm. what are they? Operational hiccups, operational needs, operational must-haves that, you know, you have coached people through. And I know your bomb um, program helps people kind of assess themselves, right? And go through a process yeah. of understanding. But maybe talk, maybe it's not all 10, but talk a little bit about some of the things that you've seen businesses struggle with operationally or things that businesses should be looking at maybe operationally at different phases of growth. Let's start with like, I'm a I'm an entrepreneur. I'm I'm under a million dollars. I am on a growth path to a million more, right? Mm-hmm. What, what are some operational things at this point that I should be looking at or things that you've seen that are roadblocks, hiccups, whatever it might be? So the at that biggest, level. yeah, the biggest problem, and this can happen no matter what size company you have, but it happens, okay. it's particular to entrepreneurs. The biggest problem is in, having too small a definition of what your operations are. And by that, I mean, um, the way, here's what I teach, that organizations are uh, living, breathing ecosystems. They're a living thing. And so what happens is a lot of entrepreneurs, they have a great idea, they have a great product, they fall ass backwards into their thing and then build a company around it. They start out, it's them, it's their brother-in-law. They got a friend from high school. They start building this thing, right? And then they and then they expand. Then someone says to them, hey, you really got to think about hiring people now. So they go, okay, so I'm going to learn about HR. And they buy a program or they learn that. And then someone says, hey, well, you need to learn about process. Oh, everything's about process. So they go, great. So they buy a course, they read a book, they learn about process over here. And then... They think, oh, you gotta have, you gotta know your metrics, right? We gotta know your metrics on your processes. So they learn about metrics, and they build some cool spreadsheets, and maybe they buy some kind of program. So they cobble this whole thing together, okay? And there's, and those are just a couple of the disciplines. They cobble this whole thing together, and and it looks alive, but what they really have is a business that's a Frankenstein monster. Okay, what it has is no soul. And what they have not done is they have not, and I'll tell you where the soul comes from in a minute, right? But so, and then they think, then they think, well, it's alive. It's doing the things, right? I made, right? We we generated $10 million last year, but you could have had 50. Yeah. 
Okay, so you're blind. You're first of all, you're blinded by your own success, and the thing looks alive, but it takes you a hundred hours a week to keep it alive, and to make sure that the villagers aren't chasing it down the street with pitchforks because right? This monster is not making your customers so happy, right? And so there's a lot of work that goes into it. It's not, it's not just humming, right? What makes, what makes this thing alive, the soul of it, is the connectivity between all of those different pieces to, right? Expanding it to your mission, vision, and core values. And what happens is that sound, mission, vision, core values, those sound trite, if they do have them, they, they write them once, they, they hire a consultant to write them, they put it up on the wall, and it's not, and then they have no connectivity between those things to all the other things. So I will say to an entrepreneur, in my diagnosis, my diagnostic, these are some of the things I probe for, and I'll say, right, um, I'll go in and I'll say, Dawn, so, so I see your core values, that's great. Show me how you use them when you're hiring people. Yeah. Well, I don't. I, I don't. I Mary runs HR. What does that have right. to do with anything? Okay. Oh. Uh, well, how are your core values, right? Or how is your mission threaded through all of your marketing? Well, it isn't. Okay. Right. And how is your, right? And then I, I'll take another piece. Your operations. I understand what you're trying to do with your operations. Show me how that is accounted for in your legal protection strategy. Well, it isn't. Okay. Yeah. So you have all these pieces that are disconnected and this right. thing is barely surviving. And so and the number one thing I do that is not really seen by people is to make sure that the connections between each, first, each piece has to exist. Yeah. But each piece, picture a giant spider web. Each piece needs to be appropriately connected to each of the other elements. Otherwise, it's a standalone and the 10 need to be connected. So Sean, when people tell me, I, I oftentimes talk to entrepreneurs in the agency, right? That come work with us and, and hire us for marketing um, support and help and strategy. And to your point, we oftentimes say, you know, tell us about who your core client is or who your core customer is and, or tell us about your vision and your mission. What is it that you're trying to do? And a lot of times business owners don't even have a vision or a mission statement that they've even put down on paper. And I recently had a conversation with a, a client and a potential client where they said, I don't have time to create a vision or mission. I'm in the thick of it, doing all the things. I don't really see the value in that. So I need to move into like the tactical stuff. Why is having a vision and a mission so important from an operational standpoint. I know from a marketing standpoint, it kind of is that breathing element of all the things that come out of your brand and how you, you know, go out into the world really should be based on your vision and your mission. But if you don't have that, what is the, what is the key thing that people, I mean, why is it important? Why do people need to have that anchor element or that North star to even go into the operational side of things? So, well, gosh, I mean, it's connected to all the other areas, right? But I'll, I'll give yeah. you some examples. So when someone comes to me and says, I just need you because I'm working myself to death. Yeah. And I'm spending all this time and my calendar is a mess and all these things. Okay, so great. So I say, okay, we're going we're gonna to get our hands around that. So 
let's look at what your calendar looks like and where you're spending your time. So I look at it and I say, okay, you spent your, you spent this many hours here, this many hours there. Where should you be really spending your time? Well, I don't know. And they don't know because they don't know what falls below the line, right? There's this golden line that is you as the business owner, Dawn, need to be spending your time on strategy, right? On, yeah. uh, like, on, on a few of these things. And then anything that you, it doesn't have to be Dawn doing yeah. falls yeah. below the line and can be one of the four Ds. Deleted, delegated, delayed, um, and oh gosh, what did I just say? Right, and so or done. Right, done. Like you're either doing it. Right? Yeah, I lost myself in the my, in the deeds. Right, so you're either right. It's something that must be done. It must be done by you. And if not, well, then uh, is it important enough to ever be done? Yeah. No, we're going to delete it. Is it is it important someday? We're going to delay it. Right. Yeah. And is it important? It's super important. I guess the, the order would be this has to be done. It does it have to be done by you, Dawn? No, then we delegate it. Okay. Yeah. But does it have to be done by that person? Yeah. Not this quarter. Then we delay it. Does it have yeah. to be done by anybody? No, it was a good idea. No, we're going to delete it. Okay. But you only know that. Yeah. If you know what your mission and vision is, does this serve to get us there? Yeah. Well, we could make a lot of money with it. Didn't ask that. Yeah. Did not ask you that. Right. I asked you if it's important to get you to where you have set the stake in the ground. What is your vision for your company five years from now? Will it get you there? On mission. I saw somebody the other day say, oh my gosh, I talked to this person and we could launch this, this financial vehicle for them and we could partner with this person, make that. And I said, okay, so you're starting a new company? No, no, I'll just, we'll do it here. I go, how is that at all in your mission? You're a cat rescue business. Right? I mean, I'm making, I'm making up what they did, right? But like, right, 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 that right. Has no, surfboards have nothing to do with your cat rescue. Yeah, what are you right. talking about? Right, right, right. And so that would have been a huge distraction for you. You only yeah. know that if you know. This is this company. And, and what does that do for your workforce? You don't have to be there every day if yes. your people know this is our mission. This is the community we serve with crystal clarity. This is who we serve in this way, right? And our vision is to be recognized as blah, blah, blah. And I have a formula for how these things to be written, right? And this yeah. is where we'll be in five years. And our core values tell us how we will get there. Because you could say, I want to be the number one of this. You know, I, I want to be recognized as the number one digital agency for entrepreneurs the world over. Great, great. And so do you do that? Um, do you rush people into a set product? No, we want people to feel like they're really heard. This is, this is a boutique thing. Okay, so if you have that core value, then you could go on vacation for two months and, you're, and your folks should know yeah. When they come to a crossroads, which path to take? Because they know what your core values are. It tells right. them how to execute on their processes in order to achieve the vision while serving the mission. That is so critical. And and it I personally believe, and I didn't really understand this quite as much 
as I did, like uh, until I got into my own business, right? Until I started mm-hmm. running my own business because working for, you know, a big company, you always hear about the vision and the mission and the, 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 and, you know, the thing that it, it really solidified for me, what you just said, when I created my own vision mission statement for my business, the agency was the thing that keeps us on track Right. Make sure that we don't add in surfboards to, you know, our product (laughs) services and that everybody on the team knows what that vision and mission is so that they can operationally make the right decisions based on that and serve our clients with that sort of vision and mission in place. And I think so many business owners don't understand how that anchors you to all of the things, whether you're an e-com business, a B2B business, a whatever type of business you are, if you don't have a North Star, how can your operations or how can your team or how can your even your customers know what you stand for and how you're going to work if there isn't anything to anchor to, right? And it's not just I an think. anchor. It's also fuel, Fuel, right? The, the 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 path to get you to the next, right? Because everybody who works for you should be able to understand how what they do, how the tasks they do are in service of the greater mission. They should be able yeah. to draw a line for it. Because otherwise, I don't know why I'm I'm sitting here pulling this lever, right? And I don't know why you care about how many times I pull this lever today, right? You so you've got a metric you're you're evaluating me on. My performance is evaluated on that. I'm pulling this lever. I don't know. It seems, no, no. Here's why. Because that, that pulling that lever does this, which does this, which does this, which yeah. saves cats from being slaughtered. Um, we're just going to stay with the cat rescue, right? <laughs> now, I enjoy right. pulling that lever and I want to see, because, because when you hired me, you shared the mission, vision, and core values with me. Yeah. Yeah, and made sure that I was in line with them, and I came here with this. I'm working right now with a with a charitable foundation, helping them, and they're and they're about to to take off like nobody's business. But this is so crucial for them because they can't afford to pay people monstrous salaries. Yep, they've got to be lean. So the only way to to galvanize their workforce is to make sure that the people who came there, who believe so much in this mission, can see how what they're doing every day serves that mission. And moves us towards the vision. Yeah. And that should be true even if you are in a company where they're paying massive salaries, right? right. You should be able to understand, right? And, and that's the only way then we can call out those activities where why is still pulling that lever? Well, doesn't it do anything? It's not attached to anything. We stopped doing that years yeah. ago. Well, nobody yeah. told me. I just, you know. Kept just, pulling, right? Pulling lever, right? Right. So, so the entire driver the entire soul of the company is based off of those things and they that should be should be should infiltrate every area of your company right yeah. and so when i think of operations i think a lot of times clients come to me because they think it's one thing and then i expand their vision of it and show them that it's many things they may not be thinking about and help mm. build those connections into those other areas of the business so we create a living breathing thing of which they can be proud and that doesn't drain the life from them in the management of it right? along the way. So all things lead from a vision mission statement, okay? And operationally, what are some of – so so you talked about 
like different parts of the business not being connected one because mm-hmm. they don't have kind of the the north star guidance from that but what yeah. are some other operational challenges that you see business entrepreneurs specifically make when it comes to growth so i i heard you say you know, they take, people take a course on processes, right? And everybody talks about the world of SOPs, right? And, and how important it is to have a structure and a process and you got to get it into your, you know, project management tool. And that means I'm successful in operations because I have this thing set up properly. But oftentimes I don't think that's really the key to fixing operations is just because you have it in a project management tool doesn't necessarily mean that that's the right thing to be doing. So what are some things that you've seen from your experience with entrepreneurs? Like where are some tripping blocks or things that you see people like, shit, they should not be doing these things or everybody's doing this and it's so wrong, so wrong. Yeah. Well, there is a, there are definitely that is a trap as well. Yeah. Because yeah. I have so, seen people over automate. Right. <laughs> I'll never forget. I'll never forget this time I was working. This was with a Fortune 500 company. So, so hear this, everyone hearing this. It's not just small operations to which this happens. Yeah. Large companies fall into these traps too. Okay. Yeah. So I remember um, the process that they were, that people were following. Like not everyone had been trained. They got a giant client that they hadn't expected to get. They got them. Not everybody had been trained. They had to hire up, right? So they had all these new people sitting there. And there were all kinds of other issues that made the the training improper. But they brought me in and said, you got to go fix them, right? We've got this backlog and we're falling behind. So you need to go and speed this up. Hmm. Speed up the operation. Speed up their execution. And I said, (laughs) okay. (laughs) <laughs> so right now, what you're telling me, so let me, right now, this was after like two hours of them downloading the problem to me, right? And yeah. in this room of all these executives, they said, okay, so Michael, what you're telling me right now is that your operation is producing shit and you want me to come in and produce shit faster. Yes. Right. In bigger volumes. <laughs> and he goes, well, when you say it, it sound it sounded stupid. I said, no, Michael, when you said, you it, said it, it sounded stupid. <laughs> I'm just telling it to you, back to you in a way that shows how stupid it is, right? Right, okay. right. So, so there are times where you can take broken processes and automate them and be worse off. Yeah, okay? yeah. So before you're automating anything, before, right, as you're building your processes, you do need to know. So we all know. Metrics, right? There's another thing. Metrics, metrics. Okay. So processes are not independent of metrics. Mm-hmm. If it's not worth measuring, I don't even know why you're doing it, right? right? So if it's an important process, you do it. But so what will happen is people will think of, well, here's the things how we do. And what they forget is the value chain. Mm. So pro- an independent process is just, I do a thing. Here's how I make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. Okay. And it should be toasted, by the way, for it to be really good. Right. So right, here's how I make it. But we won't get into that. Okay. And here's how I make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. A value chain says, um, what value am I trying to provide? Who yeah. is that end user? Yeah. Because if the end user is my son, yeah. then I know that as part of that process, I need to cut the top crust off, but not the bottom. 
Okay, right. he's right. He's 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 seven. So these are the hoops these are the things. It's make us jump through, right? <laughs> but so so that becomes a part of the process. Yeah. Now, if my wife, well, we're gonna we're gonna lean into this analogy. Now, if my wife is is really is really in charge, right? Yeah. Husbands, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Husbands, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? If my wife's really in charge, she might say, "Hey, look, you've got to get that sandwich made faster for yeah. our operation." It is important for you to be done with that sandwich and move on because we got two more kids. You got to make lunch for them. We got to get them out in the morning. Right. Okay, so we got to hit that time. It's important for operation to make it faster. That is her managing the operation, uh, the op the the process, independent of the value chain. Yeah, the value chain is I am doing a thing so that my son is happy. Yep. And eats his sandwich. Right. Okay. So my motive, my motive might be that he gets his nutrition, but his motive is I like it. Yeah. And I come back to daddy for another sandwich tomorrow. Yep. That's a customer. So your value chain is how am I providing value for the customer? Yeah. And if you lose sight of that, you will automate and you will innovate and you will refine it for you. So insightful right there. And I think that is, and I'm reflecting on my own agency and some of those things. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, interesting <laughs> concept here, Sean. But that value chain, so really distilled down, it's kind of like, you know, if, if you're doing something, you've either you sometimes can over automate things and you want to make them even better, but you're doing that for yourself. If you're not figuring out the value that that particular operation is providing for your customers, then why are you doing it? Why do you want to do it better? Why are you trying to automate it? Why are you making, you know, it's got to be connected to something. So how do people, how do, how do people who are not experienced with, with operations who can't hire you, don't have a, you know, something like that, how do they know if, if they're missing the mark with these types of things. I mean, where are some roadblocks where people could kind of think to themselves, oh, I might operationally be off the game here because some people feel like they really have operations dialed in. And I've come in from my side of things and seen like, what is happening behind the scenes here? Or right. how do I know if I'm off or don't have my my value chain set up correctly or or things like that. How how do I know that just intuitively if I'm not an ops person? What might so, be some signs? A lot to unpack there. Um, <laughs> one though is your customers will tell you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Because they're the ones. But here's the thing. I love this. I love this question. Because some people will say, well, I'm not really an operational expert. I don't have any experience with it. Yeah. And my answer always is, I'm Irish is very articulate, I say, well, bullshit, right? You do. <laughs> and here's why. Because you are the recipient of processes yeah. all day. Right. And you know, you know when it's wrong as the customer. Mm -hmm. Perfect example. I took my son to the dentist this morning. I walked up, I said, Massimo's here. They go, great, you can have a seat. This was the first time I had taken him Yep. To, to the dentist. Usually it's my wife. I go, oh, that's nice. Sat down. They came out and got him. He went in the back. At the end, they said, come on in, dad. I came in. Dentist talked to me for a minute. And I said, okay, what do I have to do? She's like, nothing. 
What do you mean nothing? <laughs> You're done. And I left. I was like, this is fantastic. When I go to the doctor, yeah. it's fill out that here's a clipboard, fill out right. these six forms. Yep. And I'm going, can I just say nothing changed? Yep. Right. Well, we need you to do this. Why do you need me to do this? So we're, so we're not paying a nurse to do it. Oh, you've outsourced part of your process to me. Right. <laughs> which pisses me which, off. Which you're paying for, mind you. <laughs> right. right. So someone, <laughs> some consultant came in or some oper- some operations person said, you know how we can make this system a lot faster? Make them fill it out. Yep. Oh, outsource it to your waiting room. Well, yeah. I No, 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 no. Right. And so right. that is where you have. And so you know it, you yeah. receive it. So put yourself in that end customer's uh, position and think about what value am I really providing? You know, if you think about the value you get, which is money and how I make more of it, and keep more of it, then you're going to over-engineer your processes. Yeah. You're going to outsource shit to your customers. Yep. You're going to be making some bad decisions. Because you've lost sight of your mission. Right. And your vision. Yeah. Right. And yeah. you've lost sight of that. You made it about how do I make money? How do I squeeze another nickel out of this process? Oh, I make Sean fill out the forms in the yeah. in the waiting room instead of us. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. I will he he will go to that dentist for the rest of his life. For as long as he has teeth, I will make him go to that dentist, right? Because <laughs> They get it. Efficient. <laughs> right. Efficient. And it was great. I got what I wanted. And they got, and they, right? And they might have right. spent a few more minutes on their system. Right. Great. And so I think, you know, how do you get this? You can do it by surveying your customers. You can just look at, at, at hey, we changed a process and we made 30% less sales this month. Yep. Gosh. What? Maybe I think I know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> What's the connection point there? It wasn't, well, the summer came around and people aren't, bullshit, you changed the thing, yeah, right, that is inherent to, because you have to look at it as a value stream, as your, right, not, right, not as just, we do a bunch of unrelated tasks or, or, ooh, we got, we got smarter, we do a bunch of tasks and we understand the handoff between what, what Dawn does to what Sean does so we can get the product out the door. That's more sophisticated. Yeah. We've seen now that processes are interrelated yeah. in a matrix, right? So, well, okay, yeah. we're better. Ooh, we got to measure them. Okay, yeah. great. We know how long Dawn's thing takes, so Sean's thing, so we know when it gets out the door. Great, now we're measuring it. Yeah. Now we got even smarter, put a cost to that. And now we dropped the ball when we said, oh, and how do we reduce that cost? Because that's an incomplete sentence. It is how do we reduce that cost without destroying the value for the end consumer. Yes. Yes. So or or how do we add a nickel into our cost to make a dollar more in sales? Yes. <clears throat> that that I like even better. Cuz that's <laughs> looking at it as a value chain. Yes. Which is if I think. invest and that's what big companies do, right if we invest a right. 100 million dollars into this system, we will sell another billion dollars worth of shoes. Right. Smart. Right. Right. And I think this is so important. It's not the sexy part of business necessarily. It's not the glamorous part of business. It's the part of business that I feel like so many people end up 
skimming past or coming back to after they've sold millions of dollars, like you said at the beginning, or they try to Frankenstein something together. But this is really, I think, foundationally at the core of the success of most entrepreneurs if they can get their operational systems, processes, and value chain together in a way that makes the most sense. That's the longevity of most entrepreneurial businesses is the ability to have a solid back-end process. Obviously, you got to have a great product. You got to have clients, customers, all that kind of stuff. But I'm saying, assuming that's already happening, right? Assuming that you've got the good thing. If you can't get your back-end together, the whole thing's falling apart at some point regardless. I think, see, see, I think it is sexy. I think it's the only sexy thing about business, right? Which is, which is because there will always, as for as long as there are humans, you yep. could even say just, you know, conscious entities, right? For as long as there are humans, there will be needs. Yeah. There will, so there will always be markets yes. for solutions. As long as there are problems, which there will always be, there will always be markets for solutions. Yep. And there will always be great ideas on how to solve for those. Yeah. The gap between the great idea and giving it to someone in a value exchange is how do you make, uh, how do you operationalize it? How do you do it? Not just once. You don't cut my hair for a goat, right? Once. It's how do I make this a thing where I can cut everybody's hair and have a whole field of goats? Well, that's operationalizing. Yes. That's what it is. And that is why so many businesses die. You go, wow, they had a great location. Oh, look, the Froyo place we liked is gone. Why? You know? Well, because they had such great, great uh, stuff and they were in a great location. Well, yeah, but remember on Friday nights, they'd get way backed up and that sucked. And oh, yeah, remember they kept running out of flavor, right? Because their supply chain was screwed up. They lost sight of the customer. They wanted a certain look and feel. But, and so they were like, yeah, we, you know, we wanted people to mill about and not sit down and people didn't want to sit down because, you know, I mean, people wanted to sit down, whatever it is, they screwed up what the value was Yep. and, 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 and lost sight of that as they were operationally. That is why so many businesses fail. Yeah. Yeah. Such good insight. I feel like you and I could talk for hours and hours, but for sake of our listeners and and keeping things <laughs> to <laughs> to a reasonable amount, people have you have an ability for people to self-assess, right? And for people to kind of understand where they're at in an operational process. Tell us a little bit about just briefly what that is and then where can people find out more about that so that they can determine if they are good in one area or not. So I have, yes, so I have a diagnostic. It takes most people six minutes to take it. Ooh, fast. Yeah. And it is, um, yeah, don't overthink the answers. It's designed to be fast. It's got a little slider. You slide it and you, and you rate yourself on, on in five questions in the 10 fundamental, fundamental disciplines. So um, it's not everything I could ask you, certainly. Yeah. But this is a way that I could make a free diagnostic that says, hey, generally, this is where I think your business is. These are probably, you get a report afterwards that says, this is probably what your business looks like because I'm seeing this here. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's five questions, 10 areas. So it's 50 questions total. Takes about six minutes. And then uh, it is manual. So, ha, 
Ha! Why? <laughs> Why is it manual? Mm-hmm. Uh, it does take longer to get it. And I tried um, automating it at one point, And people didn't like the results as much because they said, but you're not telling me anything. Ah. Uh, so it and so I said, it has I, to be person. So I said, I could add in a little bit of personalizing it and only delay it by a little bit. Right. So this isn't yeah. a, I filled out a form and in two minutes it said, Hey, congratulations. You know, this is your body type or this is your astrological right. <laughs> spirit animal. I don't know. <laughs> so, so it is a, uh, fill this out and if, and I will, uh, look it over. Will I automate it someday? I don't know. But right now I heard people were happier yeah. with me taking a little time on it. So, yeah. um, and so I will provide you the link for that. Yes, we you will can drop it, it in the show notes. Everybody in reach of our voices. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, people, yeah. does that work for you? It does, and it, and people, I I highly recommend that you take Sean up on this assessment. Thanks so much, Sean, for being on the show today. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was a pleasure. I agree. We could talk forever. Let me know if you need anything. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Ecom Profit Podcast with my dear friend, Sean Delaney. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you've heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a review. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to see if you're a good fit to work with the Digital Dawn team, head over to digitaldawnagency.com forward slash contact and let's book a call. Thanks so much again and until next time.